The preacher man says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River, she's a gold dry The interest is up and the stock market's down And you're only getting mugged if you go downtown I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Country Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's survival show. Helping you harness the power of choice to live life the way you want to live it on your very own terms and to strengthen your resolve. My goal is to make survival simple, keep it practical. This is a practical show if you're tuning in for the first time or relatively new. What you're going to find is this is a voice of reason in a, in, a, in a world full of chaos. I don't really talk too much about paranoid thinking. I don't wear one of those tinfoil hats. I just get into good common sense and we talk about what is it we can do today to help survive better tomorrow. That that's kind of my take on what survival is. I think most of it is what we do today. So welcome. This is episode number 79 of today's survival show. And I have a little bit of a cold coming on. So, uh, I, And I've prepared for that, by the way. i got plenty of, uh, of good medicine already stored up to treat myself. But I'm also having to go to work. So as I am driving to work this morning, uh, for those of you who don't know, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, I travel about 47,000 miles a year. Fortunately, I get to stay home this week, home being uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I get to sleep in my own bed, and I get to work out of my home office most of the week. But I am running a lot of sales calls and actually going to a, a miniature trade show. Anyway, without wasting any more time on that... Uh, did you know that you might be a survivalist if you use empty 45 ACP brass as a thimble? Or if your kids come up to you and ask you, hey, mom and dad, uh, what type of MREs are we going to eat for dinner tonight? Then you might be a survivalist. And if you happen to use old ammo cans for food storage, then you may also be a survivalist. I just thought I'd like to poke fun a little bit there with, uh, with a few little, uh, you might be a survivalist if jokes. There's a thread on our forum about that, and if some of you have some more that you want to add, let's not take this stuff so seriously. Let's try to poke fun at ourselves and laugh a little bit, which is what I'm going to talk about today. The main topic, you know that I've been talking about threat assessment. Today I'm going to talk about a certain type of threat that hits just about everybody. Just about everybody I can think of gets affected by this stink hit the fan event every single day. Every day. Everybody gets hit by it. Well, maybe not every day, but probably pretty close. And that is negativity. And what I really mean is negativity that comes from outside of you. Negative thinkers. People from outside of you that have a great influence on your life that are negative. Or they're always down, they're always depressed. You know, one listener recently put a post on the forum saying, Bob, thank you for keeping the show so positive. And uh, to that listener who did that, now you, you know who you are because it's on the forum, and thank you for doing that. I very much appreciate that. Thank you for the compliment. It's funny because when he posted that, just a couple days before he put that on there, I was thinking I was maybe getting too negative on this show. Instead, he's complimenting me for keeping it positive. You know, folks, I'm a positive person. I'm a positive thinker. I have been through a lot of challenges in my life. I have been through a great amount 
of challenges in my life. Some of you who may not know, when I was 13, I lost my father to suicide. Uh, he decided to take his own life, and that was my first big blow. That was my first dealings with being a survivalist. When me and my mother and my two brothers had to basically go it alone at, at the tender young age of 13, my son just turned 12. So as he approaches that age, when that happened to me, it makes me start to think. But, but there was a huge negative event. Now, hopefully that doesn't happen to you. Hopefully it never has, and hopefully that never will. But the point that I'm trying to get is negative things do happen, and people tend to get negative. And one of the things I remember when I was 13, that my mom insisted about me and my brothers, she insisted that we not get negative. She insisted that we not let it affect us mentally. And I'm a firm believer that you can control your thoughts. Now, some of you might be thinking... Bob, what is this motivational speech that you're about to give? How does this apply to survival? This is a survival show. I think it has everything to do with survival. Cody Lundeen likes to say that survival is 90% psychological, and I believe him. I also believe that succeeding today is probably 80 or 90% psychological. I love to use the quote. Chuck Swindoll is the pastor of the church that I go to, by the way. My family and I, we attend Stonebriar Community Church in Frisco, Texas, about six miles from our house. And Chuck Swindoll has been uh, noted as saying life is only 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. Isn't that also true in a stink-hit-the-fan situation? I mean, you know... If it just all of a sudden falls apart, let's say we've got mayhem going on. Some kind of disaster has all of a sudden just called, caused chaos in the streets. Life is life at that point is only going to be 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I've always said, the way you're going to react to a disaster is going to be directly related to how you're prepared for it today. So today I want to talk about preparing your mind. Because that mind is such a powerful tool. You've heard me talk about self-defense. And uh, let me take a sidetrack just a little bit uh, from the topic matter. And I, actually, I guess maybe what I'm about to talk about could be considered part of the to topic matter. But your mind, training your mind. If you raise kids, all right, if you're like me and you have kids that are still at a young, formidable age, I beg of you, Start teaching the kids positive affirmations. Start giving them the ability to reason and to reason things out in a positive way. That's why I have my kid in martial arts. That's why my son is now a red belt uh, at the mixed martial arts school that he attends. He's very close. Probably in about a year and a half, he's going to have his black belt. And those are great self-defense skills for him to use. I did a whole podcast very early when I first started about kids in martial arts. I think I might do another show coming up on that and get more in-depth into that subject. But i tell you what I really, really love about martial arts. In addition to the self-defense techniques that it teaches young people, the discipline of the mind and the discipline of the body and the attitude that it teaches young people, 
I think martial arts is one huge tool. Not the only tool, but one big, big tool. And even if your child might not be very good at something like martial arts, I would strongly recommend that you at least get them involved in it even for a short time. They will learn some great survival skills in that sport, I'm telling you. Uh, they'll learn how to improvise, and they'll learn how to analyze every negative situation that comes to them. And You know, the great thing about martial arts is it teaches kids how to be quick thinkers. My, my son's ability to think quickly, to think on his feet, is, is huge. It's immense. For a 12-year-old, he is miles ahead of a lot of others in being able to think quickly on his feet. And, and folks... You know, I like to talk to you as my friends, so we're kind of having a, a, a friend conversation here. Even though you don't get to talk back, this is a one-sided podcast where I record it. Uh, I want you to think about what I'm about to say and maybe throw some feedback on the forum or get on the, uh, uh, the comments page on the blog and, and tell me what you think. But being able to think quickly, being able to reason, being able to be fast on your feet, being able to analyze a problem quickly and, and get yourself out of it, isn't that one of the major Hallmarks of somebody who's a good survivalist? I think it is. You know, I like to use that quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Do what you can with what you have wherever you are. That pretty much speaks right to being able to being a quick thinker, a quick analyzer, a problem solver, and then be able to come up with a plan and put it into action. Those are the types of things that start when we're very, very young, folks. And so even though the huge negative experience that happened to me when I was only 13, it started me on the path. And, and there's been a lot of other negative events, which I'm not going to go into because I want today to be a positive show. And I think with what's going on in the world today, we could all use a little positivity. And we could all use a little bit of a focus of our mind and think about what's going on out there, but how we can handle it in a positive light. I think that's going to carry us a lot farther. It's easy to be negative. It really is. It's, it's very easy. And I think that's one reason why you see a lot of negative people. And how many of you know a negative person in your family? Okay, come on. Come on, I know you know a negative person in your family. Every family has negative people. You've heard me talk about this before, but I'm going to say it again. Beware of the bad seeds. That's right. Beware of the bad seeds. Some of you who are gardeners, you know what I'm talking about. If you plant a bad seed, you don't get a very uh, good plant that produces anything for you. You probably have some family members or co-workers that are bad seeds, don't you? Right? I want you to practice something. I'm going to borrow something Tom Hopkins taught me a long time ago. I want you to just practice this, all right? And, you know, folks, if you ever want to get a good laugh, try try what I'm about to share with you right now. If you ever want to get a good laugh, next time someone starts talking negative to you, next time someone starts that's around you starts being really, really negative, when they just all of a sudden start talking about all the problems, <clears throat> just take both of your hands, put your hands up near their face. Don't touch them. It's real important here that you don't touch them. But just... Put your hands about 10 inches away from their face and just kind of say, Bad seed! Bad seed! Alright, I want you to picture that for a minute. You got your hands about 10 inches away from your face, from their face, from that negative person's face. You're not touching them, but you're just going, Bad seed. Bad seed. <laughs> Try that. They will give you the strangest look. But you know what? They'll probably leave you alone. And you can, you can put yourself back in the positive shell. Because these people are going to drag you down. I'm a firm believer you are a product of the company you keep. 
Alright, I'll say that again. I'm a firm believer you are a product of the company you keep. If you hang around negative people, folks, they are eventually going to turn you into a negative person. If you hang around the unprepared, who don't believe in getting themselves ready for even some of life's basic stink-hit-the-fan events, if you hang around a lot of those people, eventually they're going to demotivate you. They're going to talk you out of getting prepared for some of life's most basic events. I've seen some posts on our forum and some posts on some other forums of some people struggling with a spouse that's just not quite on board with their survival mentality thinking. You know, you're not alone. Everybody has challenges with their spouse not always being on the survival page. You know why that is? I have a theory. I think the reason that is is because preparing forces us to look at the negatives. And I think if you have a spouse that doesn't want to get on board with your survival preparations, you just might have a spouse that prefers to look at the positive side of life rather than looking at the negative side of life. And so that's why I wanted to produce this show today. Now, you might not completely agree with that statement, but I bet you for a lot of you, that's true. And folks, it's okay to disagree with me on this show. I don't have the answers to everything. Trust me, I don't have the answers to everything. So throw some comments on the blog and or on the forum. It's okay to disagree. Just have a really good idea uh, to share. Have a solution. Have a reason why you disagree with me. Somebody really recently disagreed with my use, my suggested use of using bleach to disinfect a well. Uh, and he made a very, very good point. He put that on the forum. And I appreciate that. I learned something from that. So I encourage disagreements. But I bet you have a spouse that prefers to look at the positive side. Now, there could be other reasons why they don't want to get involved in survival. But getting involved in survival forces us to look at the negatives. And I think a lot of people that have their head in the sand, they just don't want to look at the negatives. They're an ostrich. They just prefer not to, not to even take a look at this. And unfortunately, some of those people happen to be our spouses or our close family members. Now, I made this statement earlier. You're a product of the company you keep and don't hang around negative people. Well, if your spouse happens to be someone who's negative towards survival, you still have to hang around them, okay? <laughs> That's the one person that uh, your spouse and your kids, you're still going to have to make it work. I'm not suggesting to uh, <laughs> leave your spouse, okay, just because they're negative. You got to make it work. Now, one thing about being positive is being positive can oftentimes be contagious contagious and I learned this uh, early on and young in life is that sometimes when you're positive it's contagious and it starts to rub off on people it really does try it make a commitment to stay positive however let me uh, dive into uh, one of the main topics now because I kind of got off on a couple tangents there but actually I think what I just did was set the stage for what I want to talk about First, I want to talk about the art of making enemies. What? What is that, Bob? You're going to talk about the art of making enemies? You're, this is a positive podcast, and you're going to talk about the art of making enemies? Yes, I am. You know, but what, because you're not going to be able to avoid making enemies in life. And I'll tell you what, after, after a stink hit the fan disaster... If, especially if there's a lot of chaos. If it's a big disaster, if it's wide scale, if it's something that affects thousands and thousands of people, folks, you're going to have enemies whether you want them or not. But I'm going to talk about right now 
even before something bad happens, you're going to have enemies. You're going to have people that are not going to see eye to eye with you. And it's amazing how many people make enemies in situations where they gain no advantage by making an enemy. There's no advantage to doing so. Right? There's so many times when all it takes to ease some kind of a shock is a friendly word. And I really believe the mark of a true survivalist is that he or she takes a moment to find a way to be a good winner and, and to find a way to leave respect behind instead of being a poor winner who leaves hate behind. Okay, I'm going to explain that in a minute. But there are times when you just have to say no. There are times when you have to block someone's move. Someone's move that might affect your ability to make a preparation. Your ability to survive. Sometimes you might have to block their move. But if you concentrate on achieving your goal and not preventing other people from achieving their goals, then you can often win big without even creating a little bit of animosity. And that's called creating win-win situations. All right? That's kind of the uh, technical definition of creating a win-win situation. If you can concentrate on achieving your goal by not preventing others from achieving theirs, that is a win-win situation. But respect your adversaries and respect your competition. I'm in sales for a living, folks. I have to learn to respect my competition. I don't like my competition. I take every advantage I can to point out the disadvantages of the competition so that people will buy my product, but I respect my competition. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to tell you a personal story. Okay? I ended up going to work for one of my competitors uh, about 15 years ago. You think I would have got that job if I'd have made an enemy, a complete enemy, out of my competitor? If I had shown them no respect, they would have remembered that and would not have hired me. You know, there's an old saying, be careful of the toes you step on today. They might be connected to the rear end you have to kiss tomorrow. <laughs> Let me say that again. Be careful of the toes that you step on today. They could be connected to the rear end you have to kiss tomorrow. Okay? Let me give you an example of that. Not very long here, where in, in the city where I live, in Frisco, there was a story that happened not too long ago. There was, a, um, there was a department head that worked for the city that was ordered by the city manager to fire one of his employees. And it was a real distasteful affair. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't very pleasant. And so this department head who was ordered to fire one of his employees against his will decided he was going to handle the matter quickly and, and, and get it off of his plate because it was an unpleasant thing to do. So without giving any consideration to how that firing might be received, he just went ahead and did it. And he did it, and, and, and the, the department head fired this employee in, in not a really good way. And he didn't even try to go to the city manager to get it reversed uh, or anything like that. He just basically axed the guy for no real good reason. And he did it in a really bad way. Well, here's what happened. That treatment was used as motivation by the city employee that got fired. And the guy ran for city council and got elected. Once he was on the city council, it was pretty simple. For him, it was just a matter of trading 
his vote on the on the council for other matters and eventually bring about the firing of the department head who had fired him just a year and a half before and that department head soon found himself out of work and of course jobs are tight eventually that department head went back and he got another job okay but it sure was not the the job that he wanted it wasn't a uh, a head of a department working for the city and he was making a lot less money than he could have made all because of the way he handled a situation the way he handled a firing and there's an example of be careful of the toes you have to step on today because they could be connected to the butt you might have to kiss tomorrow those toes he stepped on ended up being the same toes connected to a rear end of a guy on the city council who eventually made this man lose his job okay so think about what it is that you're doing today and how you're saying no it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. Just don't burn any bridges. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? Now I want to talk about a subject called self-instructions. I've lived since I was a very young man by positive self-instructions. And, you know, if you go back to when I was 13, when I lost my father, that's when I had to learn pretty much the hard way about giving my mind positive self-instructions to be able to get through crisis. And so, since survival is about getting through crises, we're going to hit crises in our life right now. And let's forget about what the government's doing, folks. You know, right now, today, as it stands, you still have the ability to live life the way you want to live it. And that's why I mention that in this show every day. Right now, you still do have the ability to make that choice. Now, I know it may appear to you that the government is slowly but surely eroding away our rights to make our own choices. And yes, maybe they are. But while you can make your own choices, I beg of you folks, please... Start making some different choices to get prepared. Start making choices mentally. Start building your supplies. Start making financial choices. Start learning skills that are going to pay off and be valuable to somebody else later on. Start gathering items and skills that you could possibly barter or trade for other people's goods and services. While you can make these choices, plant your gardens, grow your foods, raise your animals... Prepare for your self-defense. Do the types of things that you can do right now as much as you can, as aggressively as you possibly can, before these choices start getting taken away from us. Because I really believe that the day is coming. I promise that I don't get involved in conspiracy theories. And I don't. And this is not one of them. But I do firmly believe that the day is coming where we are going to have such an erosion of our personal freedoms that there's going to be people who seriously, seriously regret that they didn't use these days right now to get prepared. It's one of the reasons why I added a spread the word part of our survival activist club, folks. Okay, I don't do this as a full-time job. I don't do this to get paid. I just do this because I want to help fellow mankind and, and people out there that are on the street get more prepared. Some of you I'm never going to meet. Some of you were internet friends because you listen to my podcast, you get on the forum, you go to the YouTube channel, you come into the chat rooms and so forth, and we're internet acquaintances, but some of you, I may never get a chance to meet you in person. 
So I'm going to take this short period of time, a couple times a week, that we can get together and then I can talk to you to try to motivate you. And even if you're an old pro, even if you're a survivalist that's been doing this for many, many years, uh, it doesn't hurt to get back to the basics once in a while. But take advantage of the freedoms we have right now because they are being taken away from us. And you never know. Someday I may, may not be able to honestly say on this podcast that you can, you can live life the way you want to on your own terms and strengthen your resolve. I, I might not get to say that anymore. Someday I might sign on, I might do one of these podcasts, and and with a straight face I won't be able to say that you can live your life on your own terms, because you might not be able to live life on your own terms. But then again, maybe you will be, because even though the, the world has taken those rights away from other people, you have prepared, and so therefore you are dictating the terms of your life as much as possible, and that's what we're all about. So, um, the first point I want to cover... And if you hear some background noise, folks, I'm jammed in a lot of traffic right now. A lot of morning traffic trying to get to my uh, um, trade show. Dallas-Fort Worth is a mess, man. The freeways are just absolutely a mess today. Um, hey, by the way, it's uh, it's Tuesday morning, the, uh, the 30th of March. Anyway, stop thinking if only, and you won't need to. That's the first point that I want to make. Stop thinking if only... If only this and if only that. If you stop thinking that way, then you won't even need to think that way. So many people say things like, if I could get a better break, if I just had some money, all right, if I just would have married the right person who believes like me and, and wants to get involved in survival, okay? or if I had just worked for the right company, if I could just find the right job with the right company, I'd be cool, I could get myself financially independent, and I'd be on the road to uh, living a more secure life. If only I had the right parents. If only they would have taught me when I was young. Okay? And people find themselves saying these types of things all the time. And I have a question. Do you pull back from taking full personal responsibility for yourself? I hope not. Many of us do. A lot of us think that a parent or a teacher or a friend or someone we work for like a boss or a spouse um, or some governmental program should shoulder the burden for turning our lives into what we want them to be. This just simply isn't going to get the job done, folks. Other people and organizations have too many pressing problems and priorities of their own, much less worry about your life and shoulder the burden for you doing what you want to do. So what this means you're always going to be disappointed, folks, when you depend on others to do things for you. And I also want to mention, you know, don't, don't need other people's approval. Okay? Another thing I learned from Tom Hopkins is that it's okay to want but not need other people's approval. I'll say that again. It's okay to want but not need other people's approval. If you want their approval, if you want them to accept you, that's okay. But if you need it... If you just can't live without somebody else's approval, you are constantly going to be disappointed every single day. Because every day you're going to run into somebody who doesn't approve of you. I'm serious. Every day you're going to run into somebody who doesn't approve of you, or they don't approve of something that you just did. If any of you are working a job, I'm sure that every day, I bet at least every once a week, right? I bet you at least once a week, you do something that somebody else doesn't approve of. Or your boss does something. That you don't approve of. So therefore now your boss is running into people that don't approve of what he or she is doing. That's something you got to live with. Live with. And, and some people really truly need that. 
And they're the people I feel sorry for. Some people just truly need to be completely accepted all the time. Be secure enough with yourself that you can handle when people don't approve what you do. Folks, i got to tell you, if some of you have been listening to my show long enough, um, you know that even though I get a lot of positive comments, there's, there's a lot of people out there that don't approve what I do on this podcast. They don't. And I faced a lot of criticism early on when I first started this podcast. I was trying to find my way. I was trying to figure out what was going to work for me. I made some mistakes in doing this show in the beginning. But I didn't care. I didn't need those people to approve me. I approved of myself. And I knew what my purpose was. And I knew that eventually I was going to find my voice and my way of delivering my message. And that was going to be my purpose. And, and I'm getting there. But folks, I'm not an arrogant person. I, I, you know, I, I have a lot, a lot of work to do. But I, I, have, I was taught at an early age never to need somebody to approve me because the old saying is you can please all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you'll never please all the, all the people all the time. It just isn't going to happen. And you're going to throw yourself into a depression if you're always needing everyone's approval. So please be careful of that. So here's the first self-instruction I want you to give to yourself every day. I want you to say to yourself every day, I take full responsibility for my actions and for my life. My well-being is in the best hands that it could possibly be in, and that's my own. It's the first first self-instruction from Tom Hopkins that, that I was taught that I want to share with you. And I'm going to say that again. I take full responsibility for my actions and for my life. And my well-being is in the best hands it could possibly be in, and that is my own. All right, and since I'm on the subject of self-instructions, I'm going to wrap this up pretty soon because I like to keep these podcasts down to about a half an hour if I can. But I want to wrap this up with uh, talking to you about how to use self-instructions to get control of the situations that you have in your life. I have a whole lot more, folks, too, on... um, on this subject that I'm talking about, on the threat of negativity. So there's probably going to be a part two coming up in episode number 80. We'll probably be a part two. It'll probably be a follow-up on how to deal with this uh, with negativity going on. But let me close with how to use self-instructions to gain control. The highest achievers use their self-instructions so spectacularly that they exert a powerful influence in others as they do on themselves. And to do this, the way this works is you create a self-instruction about a success that you're going to achieve that also involves somebody else. And then you reach everybody that you can with it and you deliver that self-instruction loudly and with a lot of sensation and emotion and flair. And you do it often. And the more emotion that you put into it, the harder that that message hits and this method method can work one-on-one with a person, and it can also work in a group. But to be effective, your message has to be aimed at a specific person or a group. He or she um, must be made very, very keenly aware of the success that you're about to have. And your message has to be aimed at winning a very specific success for yourself 
And in fact, the success that you are about to announce might involve that some specific person or some specific group that you're aiming at loses a contest or loses a fight or loses something. Or it might mean that you're all going to accomplish something together. So it could go either way. And you might say, well, Bob, that's kind of mean. Your success at the the expense of somebody else's loss? Folks, there's winners and there's losers in life. And when I say a loser in life, I don't mean a loser as a person. I'm just saying sometimes in in a certain event, in a certain task, in a certain game, in a certain uh, venture, some people succeed and win and some lose. And it really frustrates me when our society starts to blur the lines between success and failure. And that's one of the reasons why our world's falling apart, I think, folks, is because our young people have not been taught that it's okay to lose. Our young people have not been taught that sometimes people win and sometimes people lose. Teachers don't want kids to lose something anymore in class. Oh, we're afraid we're going to hurt the kids' feelings. So what if the kids' feelings get hurt? How many of you listening to this podcast grew up when, when you were growing up as a kid and your feelings got hurt because you lost something? But that's how you learned the valuable lessons, is you lost. And then you thought to yourself, all right, how can I win next time? And that's how you learn. I never see failure as failure, but only as a learning experience. That's another self-instruction that I want to leave you with that Tom Hopkins taught me. I never see failure as failure, but only as a learning experience. But this method of using your self-instruction to get controls of a situation in your life and to announce it boldly and announce it with, with emotion and announce it with a lot of flair. Muhammad Ali is what comes to mind. He's, he's the guy that comes to mind when I talk about... Here's, an, here's a real-life example of somebody who used to do this. Muhammad Ali was one of the world's most brilliant practitioners of using this technique that I'm talking about. The record of his heavyweight boxing career is full of examples where he was a master of mind control. Muhammad Ali would defeat his opponents mentally before they even got into the ring with him. Now, he had superb athletic abilities, no doubt. He had a gift. But Muhammad Ali was also a genius at psychological warfare. He'd stay, he, he would say stuff. You remember? Do you remember? Are you old enough to remember it? Because I am. And if you're not, go back. Uh, you can probably find some YouTube videos of him. Uh, or, you, or you can find some uh, internet stories about him. Ali would say something like, The bear is going to fall in five rounds. And he would announce it. And he would announce it with flair and emotion and power. And he chanted it over and over and over again. And everyone except his opponent was laughing at Ali being so boastful. And he'd have these funny rhymes, and he'd have these funny little quips and everything. All, all, you know, for several weeks leading up to every fight. Remember that? Remember that? He'd be saying, I'm going to float like a butterfly, and I'm going to sting like a bee, and I'm going to drop him in five rounds or something like that. And he'd come up with some crazy round, a crazy rhyme, the bear will fall in five. And his opponent, of course, would hear this over and over and over again because the media would play it because Ali was such a showman. And at first, people didn't take Ali seriously. And I don't think his opponents took him seriously when he was talking about that stuff. But once the fight started, and the guy would climb into the ring, 
Doubt started creeping into his mind, and the doubt grew faster and faster, and Ali would mix his superb athletic ability with, he would mix it with the psychological warfare that he levied upon his opponent early, and when that time came, when the fifth round came, sure enough, sometimes the guy would fall in five rounds, exactly as Muhammad Ali had predicted and convinced the opponent that it would end. And so that's what I'm talking about. That's an example. Now, am I trying to advocate that you go out and you play psychological warfare with everybody? No. Not all the time. Is it an effective use of being able to advance your cause? Sure, it is. Should you be giving yourself the self-instructions of confidence? And should, be, should you cast doubt in the minds of your enemies? If you have enemies, yeah, that doesn't hurt. But don't let it escalate to a situation where you do create an enemy when you don't have to. The opponents that lost to Muhammad Ali always respected him. And even though they may not liked, may not have liked him, he was respected. And the next time that they had to fight Ali, there was a huge level of respect there. Because he was a man that could talk loudly and boastfully and made these wild claims. And then he went out there and he backed it up. And see, folks, that's how you're going to gain respect. And that's also how you're going to keep some of the negative people away from you. And I started off this show talking about a threat that we have, and that is negativity. You know one way you're going to ne keep negative people away from you, besides putting your hands 10 inches from their face and calling them a bad seed? You'll keep them away from you by becoming such a positive influence and such a positive person that gets positive results that they're not really going to want to associate with you anymore. Because really, truthfully, folks, negative people don't want to associate with positive people. They don't. Misery loves company. So if you're a positive person and you're getting results and you're becoming a winner in life, I'm going to warn you about something. You're going to have fewer friends first time I ever heard Tom Hopkins say this, I, I, was, I was taken back. And I didn't agree with it. I didn't want to agree with it. But he said, the better you are, the more successful you become in life. The more successful you become as a survivalist, the more, the more you change your life right now, the fewer friends you're going to have. It's true. The negative people or the non-achievers or the people that just don't want to better their life. I'm serious, folks. They don't want to hang around you if you're a positive person and you're a success. Because now you're two different types of people and they don't want to be around you. And I'm going to close with this. Uh, well, maybe this is too negative for me to close, but it kind of sums up the point of what I'm talking about. You may lose friends. You may even lose relationships with family members. As you become more of a success, as you become more of a survival person, as you become more of the type of person that wants to be ready, willing, and able to handle anything that comes your way, it's going to change your life and it's going to change it right now too. When you get out of debt, it's going to change your life. When you have the 90 days worth of food stored, it's going to change your life. When you've got plenty of water stored, 
it's going to change your life. When you're growing a garden and you're raising the animals, you're becoming more and more, slowly but surely, more and more self-reliant. It's going to change your life in a positive way. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to have family members and friends that all of a sudden, they used to like you because you used to be in the negative pit with them, having pity parties every day, and now you don't have those pity parties. And they're not going to be want. They're not going to. They're not going to want to associate with you as much. And that's painful to think about. I know because you might be thinking, "But Bob, I love them. I have family members like that too, folks. I have family members that reject me because of the positive person that I've become. But as your friends and your acquaintances become smaller in groups, smaller in quantity, they become higher in." Excuse me, when they become smaller in quantity, they become higher in quality. And that's what you want. But it's tough. It's tough when people reject you. Because you want to be prepared and you want to be a survival-minded person. And you want to live life today on your own terms so that you can strengthen your resolve. When you do that, folks, you got to learn to accept the fact that some people may not jump on this boat with you. But that's okay. Remain positive. And coming up in the next episode, i got more I want to talk about. About self-instructions. And how to talk to yourself. A little bit of self-talk. Things to practice every day. But I hope that this episode here got you thinking about some of the nuances of being around negative forces. Because they're out there. And folks, I don't see it changing. I see even more and more negativity growing. So, folks, friends, listening to this podcast, we have got to stay strong, and we got to stay strong together, okay? So this is Bob Main, and you've listened to another episode of today's Survival Show, episode number 79, where it is my goal to help you harness the power of choice, to live life the way you want to live it, while you still have this power of choice, and not let the negative people stop you from living that life the way you want to live it and strengthen your resolve. And Teddy Roosevelt once said, do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Thank you for listening to this episode, folks. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. I can plow a field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. Make our own whiskey and our own smoke, too. Ain't too many things these old boys can't do.